Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Good evening, everyone. This is the Patriots Roundtable. It's a production of the Independence Gang. We're happy to have you here uh, with us tonight. I'm JV, along with co-host Britt Griffith. We have a bit of a, a delay going on here. We're actually trying to vamp a little bit, and that's why we're a couple minutes getting uh, late getting started, because uh, our guest tonight, Dr. Vermil Green, uh, is having some technical problems. So we're trying to sort that out on the fly. Uh, Britt, you know what that's like, because you usually live in a world of technical problems. Uh, yes, I am one big technical <laughs> issue. Um, I swear to God, I, I'm at my second location, my 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 extra secret cave, yes. um, and I'm on my laptop, which I have used to do this show before with all the appropriate softwares, with everything working fine. Hell, it's what I used in Atlanta, Atlantic City when we were on location. Yeah, I turn it on about an hour ago. The program that runs the software is gone. All of my links are gone. All of my bookmarks are gone. Like my computer did its own update and erased everything. So I've been frantically myself, personally, uh, uploading, downloading, sideloading stuff and trying to get it to work. And I cannot believe I'm actually here on air right now. Well, I'm glad it's worked out. Uh, I, I'm hoping that it also works out for our guest tonight. Dr. Green is a, an author. She's an educator. She's an administrator. I think she is a former teacher. She's no longer teaching. But she's uh, recognized the fact that the educational system and society as a whole is doing a disservice to boys. She doesn't like to say males because she doesn't like to use a generic uh, word to describe the gender because she's specifically talking about boys, young men. Uh, or before they become men. And uh, she's got a, a new book out that uh, hopefully we're going to get a chance to talk about tonight. But it's called Please Teach Me Like I'm a Boy, 10 Steps to His Success in School and Life. And, you know, we've heard her talk, Britt. You know what? You and I both have spent some time researching Dr. Green. And the things she, sa she says and the things she's saying, and particularly the things she's written about in the book, are so important and, you know, so much of our society has, has rushed to this wokeness where we can't recognize the differences between men and women, boys and girls. We can't because that's just wrong, even though I still do. And I will ref I refuse to accept the terminology and the ideas of the woke mob or the left. But society is doing that. We see corporate America doing that. We see political America doing that. We see the media doing that, most of them anyway. And uh, she recognizes, she's one of the few who's being outspoken about how dangerous this is. And we're already seeing some of the effects of the danger. And we're seeing them permeate our society. We're seeing them in a lot of different ways. They're manifesting all over the place. And she is... Uh, She's very vocal about it, and I'm hoping that we get this resolved because uh, because if we don't do well, if we don't get her on tonight, we'll have to just uh, reschedule it because this is a really important conversation. 
Yeah, I, I, I really was looking, I'm looking forward to uh, having this conversation with her. I am, if it was tonight or down the road, I mean, for me, because for me personally, I mean, I grew up with dyslexia. I made it to the fifth grade, not being able to read or write a single word, but yet I had straight A's. Yeah. It wasn't until my parents changed school districts, uh, the fourth grade, summer into fifth grade, that uh, my, my, my first grade, my fifth grade teacher knew there was something wrong. And they sent me off to Chapman University and they did all kinds of studies and they literally retrained my different part of my brain how to spell and is I'm not. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. You have multiple you have more than one part of a brain? I thought you only had a little part of I, I thought do. you had a piece of brain lodge, just a piece of brain lodge in your head. Uh, it's called the pea brain. <laughs> and I have three of them apparently. <laughs> That's actually a trip. I mean, you know, doing the doing the writing with a pencil, cursive handwriting, and whatnot is one part of your brain. Typing is a different part of your brain. Yeah, exactly. Whatnot is a different part what of your brain. Part of so your I mean, brain a whole controls bunch of the whatnot stuff. impulse. And which which of the three P brains controls that whatnot you know, impulse? <laughs> so I'm talking to my I'm talking to my mom today because she listens to the show every night. Yeah, and uh, and she did make a comment that I say whatnot a lot. <laughs> And she also made a point. She also made a point to say because we had that conversation. This is how I know my mom actually pays attention. Uh, that uh, we remember when we had the conversation is what not one word or two words. Yes. Well, it's it's one word. Oh. Okay. She said it's it, she's a spelling Nazi. She said it's one word. Uh, yes. So she called to tell me that. Well, can I tell um, you? Can I tell you that I had a conversation with my sister, uh, not a texting conversation, but a phone conversation earlier today. They had a bit of a. They, my sister owns a couple of restaurants uh, within thirty miles of where I am here in Cooperstown, and uh, they had a, a bit of a tragedy in one of them. Um, and and they posted something on Facebook that was a little bit cryptic about it. And and my son uh, texted me and said, "Hey, what's going on? The, the restaurant's called the Autumn Cafe. What's going on with the Autumn?" He said, and I said, "I have no idea." So I reached out to my sister, and they had this. They had a death of one of their staff members, which is tragic in itself. And I probably shouldn't have set this up that way because it makes it, it makes it makes the conversation a little uh, puts a little bit of a dark cloud over it. But bottom line is that um, the bottom line is she said what not several times around the phone call. Um, our guest tonight, Doctor Vermel Green. Um, is not going to join us via video. Uh, instead, we're going to have her through a phone connection, so we'll be able to uh, be able to have our conversation. So I'm very very excited. So we've already gotten a few minutes into the show here, and and uh, we only have uh, Dr. Green for about 30 minutes. So let's get started, Dr. Green. Sorry about the technical problems, but welcome to the program. It's really an honor to have you on with us tonight. Wow! Thank you, JV. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Both my co-host Britt and I were anxious to have a discussion about this. Your work is phenomenal. Your book is terrific. And the issues that we're going to be talking about tonight, I think, are so, so important. So let's get started by talking about the state of boys, as as you like to make sure we point out they are boys, not males, not men. We're talking about boys here. But what's going on with boys in America? Our boys are falling behind. They are in crisis, as my colleague Warren Farrell says. Um, our boys are at the bottom of test scores and the top of suspension rates when it comes to schools, when it comes to social development, emotional development. This pandemic has had a greater effect on our boys than on our girls. 
And unfortunately, we don't have a government that's being responsive to the needs of our boys. We don't have educators who are being responsive to the needs of our boys. And our boys are becoming farther and farther behind. And when you have a knowledge-based economy, as we do, and half of your population, half of your young people are not doing well, that doesn't bode well for America. So we're trying to raise the alarm at the Boys Initiative, trying to recruit advocates that will go before school boards, go before legislators and say, look, we need to help our boys. They are not doing well at all. Yeah, you know, we ha- we're we living in an age where the the mere suggestion that there are differences between the sexes, between the genders, uh, gets scowls from people. Uh, we certainly see it in the media. We see it in politics. We see it in uh, in other places in our society. Uh, how dangerous is that, and how is that f- adding fuel to this fire? Oh, and you see it in some segments of education also. I remember a workshop that I did for a group of teachers in private schools. And when I started talking about how boys learn differently than girls, that their brains process information, oh, my, the arms got crossed and the brows were (laughs) furrowed. And someone said, how dare you talk about boys and girls. Your discussion is so binary. And at first, I, I was just flabbergasted. And having been a biologist, you know, a biology major, biology teacher, I know there are two sexes. There are boys and there are girls, male and female. And I don't care what you add or what kind of hormones you pump into that body, what you cut off, you still have a boy. Poor girl. So, so you, you know, you've been a lifelong educator and administrator. What is happening in education that is that is pushing the system in, into a into a universe where they don't want to recognize these differences? Is there what's the end game here? I have no idea. If I knew that, I'd write another book and probably <laughs> make a million in my in my first day. <laughs> But what's happening is that educators, unfortunately, are not being trained. That's one big part of it. Even I, going through all those teacher preparation courses and even as a principal and an administrator, I never was sent to a seminar. I was never uh, told to take a course on male-female learning differences. I just didn't know. And it wasn't until I was close to retirement and began to do some research on my own that I said, oh, my goodness, that is so true. And, you know, the light bulb, you know, came on. Oh, that's why they used to act like this. That's why the boys used to do this. This is why the girls used to do that. And I began to say, my goodness, if had I known that at the beginning of my career back in the 70s, I could have spared a whole lot of little boys a lot of grief. But unfortunately, <laughs> that's the same is true now, that teacher preparation courses, universities are not preparing teachers to be able to teach boys the way they learn best. Did that is that a change from the past? You know, obviously, as a one-time boy, <laughs> I feel like I made it through the education system, and I did okay. And I, you know, it's funny. I even with my own kids, I look at the difference between the way 
they view their teachers and the way I view my teachers. You know, they'll come home, and they're older now, but they would come home and say, oh, so-and-so is a horrible teacher. I don't ever remember thinking that about any of my teachers. So was there a point where this started to change, Dr. Green, whereby somehow education and the system lost its way and forgot how to teach the differences, or has it always been this way? I don't think it has always been this way, J.V. Um, what happened back in, I know in my day, you had certain courses that the girls took and the girls enjoyed and certain courses that the boys took. Um, boys were into industrial arts and, and, all the, and some of the vocational studies and, and vocational tracks, and they were working with their hands and they could really relate. On the other hand, our the girls, you know, we had cosmetology, we had, you know, home economics, and a lot of things that we really related to. And it was just common sense to know that, no, we're not going to like the same things. Also, there wasn't as much sit down, be quiet, and listen to the teacher. And that's what's happening a lot in a lot of classrooms now. So you're expecting these healthy little boys who whose minds have been trained for um, a lot of movement, a lot of visual, a lot of action. You know, they watch video games, they watch a lot of TV where, you know, there's quick motion, quick, there's a lot of variety. And teachers have to learn. You've got to compete against that to hold the attention of these youngsters. So when these little boys, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in generalities, there are a lot of little boys like yourself who are, who are very successful, you know, in school and do well. But for some of our boys, when they go to these classrooms and they're forced to sit all day with their hands folded, not wanting to get up and wanting to get up and not being allowed to get up and treated like something's wrong with them, if they're distractible, if they're fidgety, you know, hey, mom, dad, Take him to get evaluated. Maybe he needs medication. How about Ritalin? How about some Adderall to kind of medicate him into submission and trying to change him into a nice, calm little girl? And for our little boys, it's really hurting them more so than helping them. Well, you know, you said so many things in there that we need to chat about. I want to talk about the medication component in just a second, but let's talk about the core of what you said there. And I'm assuming my interpretation of what you said is that attention spans are just very different between boys and girls. They are, and that's how their brains function. Um, The the way that a uh, boy processes information uh, is different than the way a girl processes information. Boys are very visual, uh, very mechanical, spatial areas of their brains fire up. That's why men make better guards than women, because you watch everything. You notice everything. You're very distractible. You know, you give us a good book, and you could probably steal the whole store. But with with our boys, they're going to be distractible, and and that's good. You know, I want our our men to to uh, to, to, to notice things and be visual. And a lot of times, in their role as protector, in their role as the watchman, they need to be very watchful and and visual and notice those things that we women do not. Again, I'm speaking in generalities, but that is just the differences between male and female. 
Yeah, and we should say, you know, there are exceptions to all of these ideas, and of course we recognize that. Mm-hmm. But, but um, Dr. Green, when you look throughout nature, when you look at throughout the, na- the natural world, you see these differences among all species for the most part. Again, a generality here. But especially, especially when you look at mammals, you know, there's certain behaviors that are, that are uh, distinct to, or unique to the male of the species, and there's certain behaviors that are unique to the female of the species. I don't understand why we try to deny that in the human species. I don't know either. I mean, it's, it, it is, as you said, so obvious. Um, the big difference is that testosterone. The testosterone in male primates, uh, and, and uh, especially, has causes their behavior to be different, not just primates, but male mammals. That testosterone makes them more aggressive. It, it causes certain parts of their brains to develop in ways that um, are not uh, uh, developed when there is no testosterone. And when it happens in a little boy, that testosterone affects their language centers. Uh, in males, they develop language on one side of the brain. Females develop language on both sides of the brain. That's why our little girls can out-talk our little boys. <laughs> you know, that's why we women can out-talk you men because we've got the, you know, we've got the language on both sides. And we even see it in older men and women. In the case of stroke victims, if a man has a stroke on that part of the brain where language is controlled, he uses the, loses the ability to speak. Women, on the other hand, if she loses um, or has a stroke on that part of the brain and those brain cells die, she has another part of her brain that can kind of take up the slack. And you don't have that happening in women as, uh, as, you, as often as you do in men. So then it would be true to say that in addition to the obvious physiological differences we see between boys and girls, men and women, there's some th- there are physical, physiological differences in the brain as well. Oh, absolutely. The brain is where it all is happening, you know, chemically, you know, hormonally, developmentally, physical parts of the brain. For example, women multitask a lot better than men. Why? Because there's a section of the brain called the corpus callosum that connects the two hemispheres of the brain. And that corpus callosum in the women have a, have a much more dense uh, network of nerves. So one side of the brain is talking to the other side and, and talking back and forth and back and forth. Men, the same, or the male brain, the same thing happens, but just not quite as quickly and not as efficiently. So you look at that in schools when our boys are not able to multitask quite as well as our girls. So you have a teacher who says, okay, I'm going to be talking, take notes, be reading, looking at the book, be writing, be looking at what I'm writing. So either you got, okay, I've got to look at you, I've got to listen to you, I've got to write at the same time. That's multitasking. And with the girls, they can kind of handle that. And again, look at in nature, women, we have to be able to multitask. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine what things would be if we had a house full of kids and we're trying to cook and we're trying to do this and we're trying to clean and we can only do one thing at a time? Oh, my goodness. We're cooking and the baby is going out the window and the, and the dog is running around. And But men have 
of the ability or the tendency to focus on one thing at a time. And the male brain, and again, I'm speaking in generalities, the male brain tends to focus on one thing at a time. And that has helped men to rise to the height of just about every profession. Who are the top fashion designers? Men. The top chefs? Men. The top musicians? Men. Because you have that uncanny ability. I say uncanny because (laughs) women, we can't do it. You can focus on one thing at a time for hours and hours and hours. I can't do it. (laughs) Women can't. (laughs) We're we're talking with uh, Dr. Vermel Green, author of the book, Please Teach Me Like I'm a Boy, Ten Steps to his success in school and life. Uh, Doctor, is this book for educators or or for parents or for everyone? For everyone, especially, I would say, for parents. Because if the parents realize this is how my son learns, when they have a teacher who is not teaching him the way their son learns, then they can take that book and they can go to the teacher and, you know, Mr. So-and-so, Miss So-and-so, have you considered that this could be the reason why Johnny is not paying attention? Could you consider that this is the reason why he likes to punch and wrestle with his friends? They're not fighting. They're just saying hello. But I surely hope that some teachers would pick up a copy as well because most teachers – they want their boys to learn just as well as they, the girls. You know, they went into that profession because they want to help children. But, unfortunately, as I said earlier, they haven't been trained. No one has told them boys learn differently than girls, and boys need to be taught differently than girls. And some of the girls also who could benefit from the same strategies that help the boys, the girls, it's not going to harm them. And many of them would learn even better if they were taught in certain ways, similar to the way the boys um, are taught as well. So for everyone, I would love to see our parents become the advocates. I'd love to see our teachers get educated themselves. Hi, Dr. Green. This is Britt. I am so glad you made it on. I am so glad. Thank you, Britt. I personally, I personally made it to the fourth grade not being able to read or write a single word, but I had straight A's on my report cards, and the teachers just told my mom and dad that I was fine and everything was great. Thank God they moved. I had dyslexia back in the day when dyslexia actually meant something. It wasn't an overall term now as it is today. I ended up over at Chapman University in Orange where they did all kinds of experiments on me and a bunch of other kids trying to figure out how to help us. So for me, doing stuff outside of the box and asking teachers, hey, what about this? What about that? For my kids is secondhand. Does this book help parents kind of learn how to ask the right questions? Uh, Like when they want to put a child on Ritalin because he's too fidgety. My son was like that. We solved it by letting him stand up at his desk and it worked. Is, does this book help parents learn how to ask those questions of their teachers? It does, and not only does it help them to ask those questions, it gives them, as you said, certain strategies like standing at the desk, you know, or, or sitting in the floor, or allowing them to walk around while, you know, with a clipboard while they're doing their work. Um, I started a school for boys um, the day before 9-11, uh, several, uh, so that, back in 2001, and one of the things that we did with our boys, when they were taking a test, if 
they were getting kind of fidgety, I would say, hey, go, you know, do a couple push-ups. Do some jumping jacks and come back and finish. One of my little boys transferred to a different school, and his mom called me later and said how he had gotten in trouble because his teacher said he, in the middle of a spelling test, all of a sudden he started doing push-ups. <laughs> so she had to explain to him that at his former school for boys, that kind of thing was not only allowed, but it was encouraged. Um, so when parents can tell a teacher, you know, Johnny's going to do his work, Johnny wants to do his work, but he just has certain physical needs, certain emotional needs, not because there's anything wrong with him. It's because he's a boy, and that's just how God made him. I'm blessed that my kids are in a great school district that are open to all this kind of trying different stuff to keep the kids off of the, the, the drugs and whatnot, uh, the right. Ritalins and whatnot. Are, th are there areas that you have seen that are, that are doing great um, and, and, and moving forward on what you're talking about? that maybe if parents are moving for educational reasons, they should move to that area, to that school district? Unfortunately, I haven't seen it district-wide. I have seen um, some schools, individual schools, um, whose um, principals or teachers at that school um, have recognized the need. Now, I know there was um, a school district in Florida the Hillsborough School District, who had a number of single-gender schools. Um, unfortunately, unless a district is willing to, you know, stand up to the ACLU and say, you know what, single-gender schools are great, they are, they are meeting a need, and they're not for every child, but for many children to learn with other boys or learn with other girls exclusively really allows the teacher to focus in on those ways that help that child to be their best, to reach their potential. So I know there's a school district in Florida, and every once in a while you'll hear about a school district that's in implementing many of the things that we talk about, um, gender um, and they focus on gender-based brain differences. Um, there's an organization called the Gurian Institute with Michael Gurian, and he um, has worked with several school districts. Unfortunately, what happens invariably, and I've seen it happen again and again, when that principal who is gung-ho, you know, and having his teachers trained and, and having books and materials and special professional development, if he transfers to a different school, his successor comes in, and a lot of those new initiatives just kind of fall by the wayside, and they're back to the same old, same old. Dr. Green, JV here again. Uh, when when you talk about a school, a, a single-gender school, uh, an all-boys school, an all-girls school, I'm assuming that um, just by having it be a, a single-gender in attendance to that school. That in itself probably isn't enough. They still have to know how to teach differently, right? Oh, boy, you are right on the money with that. Because, unfortunately, when they, some districts have said, oh, yeah, we're going to have single-gender schools, and so they assume, all right, you get all-boys um, schools and you get all-men teachers and you get an all-girls school and all-women teachers. And that does not necessarily mean success. In fact, many times it spells disaster because that teacher has to be trained, has to be trained in strategies, um, methods. The whole, their whole pedagogy has to change. 
Um, one of the best teachers I've seen, uh, who was a teacher at my all-boys school, was a young woman. And um, at my school, and, and as a black woman, I appreciated the fact that she, as a white woman, came in to my predominantly black school, and she related to those boys. So not only did she not have to be black to be able to teach them, she did not have to be a man because she understood how they learned. She respected them. She had high standards. She wouldn't, as my grandmother used to say, she wouldn't allow them to half-step. She <laughs> held them to a high standard and wouldn't accept anything less than their best. On the other hand, at my same school, I had a young black man who I said, oh, wow, he's going to be great. And he was terrible. In fact, after a few weeks, we had to say, you know, maybe you need to look at some other profession. He used to make fun of the boys, ridicule them. You know, they got a, um, oh. a bad grade on a test, made them feel less than what they were. So... You have to have teachers who are trained and prepared. There are charter schools, there are parochial schools, there are public schools. Do these problems permeate all of those? If the teachers don't know, yes, they, it certainly does. Um, I have uh, done workshops for all three, public schools, parochial schools, Christian schools, um, and private schools as well. All need to know this um, because, unfortunately, um, if the discipline isn't such, these boys, if they're not learning, they become behavior problems. So when you have a school that perhaps is a little bit more selective, you know, maybe they can handle the, the behavior problems that result from boys not being able to, not being taught correctly. Perhaps their method is to just to, you know, ask the parents to take the boy out or show the, show the parents the, the way out. Um, but for those schools where the, they have to keep the students, so I'm talking about our public schools, um, then they need to really work hard at making sure that these little boys are taught the way that they learn best. Let's, uh, let's fast forward a little bit here. The problems that we're seeing in education, the fact that many educators don't understand that they need to approach boys and girls differently, differently while they teach them, how is that manifesting itself later on in life for these boys? Well, the main way it's, it's manifesting itself is um, that our boys aren't going on to higher education. Uh, they're, they're getting out of high school, and they're saying, I am done with school. And unfortunately, in our society, as I said earlier, we have a very knowledge-based society where a college education is prerequisite to many of the professions that are high-paying, um, some of our technology um, uh, positions need that college education, um, our boys, if they have been taught a skill or a trade, um, but unfortunately some of our schools are kind of phasing those out, many are bringing them back. But if our boys haven't learned a trade, then they get out of high school, and what can they do? You know, they go, all right, I can work at McDonald's at minimum wage, but <laughs> working at McDonald's, is that going to you know, get him the, the income that he needs to impress that young lady because our girls are going to college at a much greater rate than our boys. 
So he has his college-educated girlfriend who maybe has even gone on to her master's degree or even her doctor's degree, and he is here working at McDonald's. How is he going to support the, the, the style of living that she's going to expect? How is he going to provide for himself and his family? So it's it's happening there with our boys not going to college, with our boys not having the skills to with reading, even our military they're becoming very selective. So where one time boys if they couldn't make it in school they could join the military, the military has gotten such that they can start getting the cream, the creme de la creme as well. So there they are. They're not educated. Dropping out of school, some of them, are they're really discouraged, and so they end up, some of them, going into a, a kind of underground economy and getting into trouble. That's why our prisons, many of our prisons are packed out, you know, with our young men, especially, as I said, the concern of mine as a black woman, our black boys, our black young men, there are more in prison than are in college. Wow. There are more, you know, out here just on the street corners than there are in office buildings. So, you know, our whole society depends on our fathers, our families. They're the bedrock of our society. So this has a snowball effect. Uneducated boys who cannot lead their families and not provide for their families and provide that stable for their sons, and so we have a vicious cycle beginning. Yeah, and I, this, I was going to ask about that, and it might be a chicken-and-the-egg situation here. One is causing exacerbating the other, but they're both exacerbating the other. Uh, but what, what about home lives for many of these boys, and how important is it to have a two-parent, mother-father household? Does that make a difference? Oh, boy, does it make a difference. <laughs> Absolutely, um, especially fathers, having a father in a home. And I know some mothers might take issue with the fact, but research has shown that if a child can only have one parent, it's better for that parent to be the father. The father is able to not only show that young boy, especially I'm, now I'm talking about positive fathers, involved fathers, right. fathers who are devoted to their families and to their children, fathers, not just drop-in guys or, or as one um, of my colleagues refers to them as sperm donors. No, we, we need committed <laughs> fathers who are going to lead their boys and raise them up and show them what it means to be a man of character, to show them how to treat a woman, how to work hard, what good values to have. And for his daughter, he can affirm her femininity. He can say, this is how a young man should treat you. This is what you, you need to do. And I remember with my own dad, you know, he used to make me feel like I was the, the cutest girl on the block. He said, oh, just compliment me on my clothes, tell me how smart I was, tell me how cute I was, so that when that first young man came up and wanted to talk to me, I would say, hey, I don't have to listen to your <laughs> spiel. My own daddy tells me I'm cute. And that's what happens to a lot of these little girls who are growing up without fathers. They're out here looking for male affection, giving themselves over to the first guy who pays them attention. And that's 
gives that rise to um, uh, single motherhood. Again, in the black community where we have close to 73% of black babies born to single mothers. Wow. Um, There's another societal force at play here. Um, It's called the Me Too movement in many circles. Uh, Some of it's justified. Some of it's, I think, an uh, overreaction, in my opinion. However, it's there. And it's really created a dynamic, Dr. Green, whereby I think boys might even be a little bit confused as to how to develop a relationship with a girl at school or elsewhere. How is that affecting this? You're right again, especially at the college level. Um, uh, In the Trump administration and the Department of Education, in the Trump administration, they rolled back a lot of those um, laws that uh, put young men at a disadvantage when he was accused of sexual harassment. Um, Unfortunately, um, when the Biden administration came in, his education department have has reinstated many of those um, very prejudicial um, uh, um, laws and policies in universities. And so our young men, uh, if they are accused by a young woman, you know, they have no due process. They don't. They're not given the same rights uh, that that many of us would enjoy to have. Um, uh, 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 um, uh, what do they call it, a, uh, their peers being able to come in and be able to, to speak on their behalf. Uh, they're just assumed to be guilty, you know, and not assumed to be innocent and proven guilty until proven guilty. So, uh, yes, with, with our young men, they are at a disadvantage. Uh, it, it, it really pays for us to perhaps look at some of the ways that other countries do it, where the parents go out and choose the spouses for their children. (laughs) Hopefully we don't get to that point, but it's looking like that has its advantages. Uh, Dr. Green Britt here again. Um, So you, reading your book, I I found myself, you know, putting palm to forehead going, well, duh, this is common sense. But you, your book and what you're trying to do is cutting against the grain of what the unions and politicians have been doing forever in a day. Are you getting pushback on a political level? Do you feel like politicians, unions are going, oh, no, 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 you don't know what you're talking about. We're going to do it the way we're doing it. Just, you know, mind your business. Um, personally, I do not. Perhaps I'm still under the radar, but many of my colleagues my more high-profile colleagues definitely are. You know, they, you know, when they appear on, you know, some of the major news uh, shows or, or panels, they are absolutely getting pushed back and called, you know, charlatans and quacks and and you know, phony science and and you know, anyone who has had a child or even better, a boy and a girl. They can tell you they are they are different. Any teacher oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can tell you the boys are different than the girls. They are. And when I do conferences and workshops for teachers, you know, they're like, "Oh my goodness, yes!" I did a conference once. I had close to about three hundred plus teachers and administrators, and I asked them to raise their hands to sh- and, and to 
show me how many of them had ever been told that boys are differently than girls. And out of that 300, I got about 25 hands. And that hasn't changed much. So, yes, there are differences and there are pushback. Colleges and universities that train our teachers, they haven't accepted it. You know, I know of no university that has a course in male-specific pedagogy. Um, in other words, um, teaching teachers how to teach boys. So the teachers who know about this have basically gone on their own, you know, looked and found resources from different authors, uh, done their own research, um, uh, read their own articles and journals, and educated themselves. I would love to have that turn around, and hopefully it will. Are, are you finding that uh, when you go and you give your seminar with a big group of 300 teachers that, you know, they cross their arms and furrow their brows at you, but then when you kind of get them one-on-one, they'll, they'll yeah, I, I really agree with you, but I'm afraid to step out because uh, it's not accepted. Are you, are there teachers out there that are just like keeping, they're staying in the closet, so to speak? You know what? That is a good point because, I, as I said, that uh, last group of teachers, that I got the cross arms and the furrowed brows, I think the majority of them, you know, were being very receptive and very open. But that very vocal minority, because they didn't just cross their arms, you know, they were, you know, vehemently opposed to what I was saying. And so I guess the other teachers were like, well, you know, I don't want them to be yelling at me and fussing at me. Let me just sit over here and be quiet. You know, the silent majority again. Uh, and and those are the ones who need to speak up, to need to tell these folks who think differently, no, no, you're wrong. Look at this child. Open your eyes. Can you not see? It is so obvious, and as you said earlier, it is common sense. In my book, you know, I'm not, you know, a, a, a medical professional. You know, I'm just a practitioner, and so these are the kinds of things that I've learned, and in, in, as a as an educator, and also from some of my colleagues, and these are the kinds of things that we want to share with our parents and with our teachers. And it doesn't take rocket science to fix the problem with our boys. It just needs to take a dedicated teacher, a dedicated parent who says, no longer will I allow my son to be pushed to the side, put out of school, denied the fact that he can't act the way he can, that there's something wrong with him. No, you will not do this to my son anymore. Uh, Dr. Green, we only have you for a couple more minutes here. I wanted to ask you about uh, the website, boysinitiative.org. What is the Boys Initiative? The Boys Initiative is an advocacy organization. We want to equip our parents and our educators to go before school boards, to go before legislators to say, this is what we must do to address the boy crisis. We have formed four networks within the Boys Initiative. Um, the faith community network where we can get our faith leaders involved, our teachers of boys network, reaching out to our educators, and then we have our mothers of sons network. Don't mess with her cubs. Mama bears <laughs> will come after you like they did in Virginia. They'll come after you. And same with our dads. We have dads of sons network as well because we want to equip 
our parents and our educators and our faith leaders with information, statistics, data that they can have so that they can be armed not just with emotion when they go before school boards and legislators, that they can say, look, we've got the statistics to show, we've got the information to show that this is what is happening, and also to inform the public. The public doesn't know how poorly our boys are doing. I even did a, um, a presentation to some school board members who really weren't aware when they looked at the data because it's all lumped in. If they don't disaggregate the data, they see, okay, the boys are doing, the boys and girls are doing this, but disaggregated by gender. Look at how the girls are doing this and the boys are down here. And further disaggregated by race. And you see that of the boys, our black boys and our brown boys are at the bottom Still, so this is something that we have to open people's eyes, and that's what we want to do at the Boys Initiative. We want to say no longer we want to talk about this in hushed tones. We want to cry it out to the mountaintops. Help our boys. The uh, phenomenon by which mama bears are waking up and starting to attend school board meetings and demand changes in our education system is probably something that we've needed for a long time. And I think that the COVID lockdowns and the remote learning had a lot to do with parents waking up to at least the problem with, with what some of the curriculum is in these schools. Uh, and I imagine that this this the discussion having tonight is also uh, starting to show up on the horizon of these parents too. Uh, are you seeing that? Are you seeing uh, parents? First of all, thank you for your work in pointing this out, but also uh, starting to rise to the occasion. I do because as as they sat with their sons, as their sons sat in front of those computers, and they realized, wait a minute, he can't read. Wait a minute, he can't sit still for an hour just staring at that computer. You know, when, when can he get up and walk around? Um, Johnny, why aren't you in front of that computer? Or worse yet, Johnny, I'm going to work. Log on to your yeah. teacher at 10 o'clock yeah. and make sure that you do that. All right, I'll see you at 5 o'clock this evening. Mm-hmm. And then getting a call from the teacher saying that she hasn't seen Johnny log on for three weeks. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and then seeing the grades of our boys. Our boys did terribly. So hopefully our parents are seeing not just that it was harming all of our children, but especially our boys. Dr. Green, you're you're a refreshing voice in a bit of a crazy world right now, and I thank you for uh, talking about this. It's so so very very important, and having the courage to do it too. Because as we pointed out before, a lot of people would rather not take the flack that comes with taking a stance like this, despite the fact that it's so blatantly obvious that you're right. Where can people find the book, and um, what other advice do you have for them if they recognize this happening to maybe their boy and they want to make a difference? Well, please, first of all, log on to theboysinitiative.org. That's our website. Um, We're also on Twitter, Facebook, uh, we're about to start our new um, YouTube um, channel as well. Um, we're also on Instagram. Um, as, as for my book, Please Teach Me Like I'm a Boy, 
10 Steps to His Success in School and in Life. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and also Apple iBooks as well. So we want our parents to, to come on board, sign up for our newsletter so that you are kept up to date with what's happening with our boys. Terrific. Again, thank you for your work and thank you for sharing it with us tonight, Dr. Green. It's been a, a terrific conversation. We appreciate your time. And thank you so much for having me and allowing me to share this with your listeners. Take care now. Thank and you. And Happy New Year. Yes. Oh, let me say Merry Christmas first and Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you too, Dr. Green. Thank you so much. What a great conversation, Britt. And, and it's so refreshing to hear somebody speak the truth for a change. I mean, we get inundated with this craziness coming from all angles on about all topics. And yet there are people starting to emerge kind of like, you know, a, a shoot of green vegetation growing out of the, out of the, out of the forest that uh, is full of ash and, you know, it's succumbed to a fire yet these shoots of green are starting to come out and rise out of the ashes. It's really that dramatic and it's really that important. Wow. I know it's, I know. what's going on in your head. You're, your 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 two sides are really well connected with the super <laughs> subrimium thing. What the hell's going on over there? Yeah, it's uh, it is a it's great. I you know I love it, but it's also sad that she's got so much headwind. I mean, oh, yeah. the head trying to break through the unions and all their grift and see that's it's what, sad. But I don't, but again, I, what is the what what advantage do the unions have? To take a position like this. I don't get it. It almost seems like the unions would be better off to say, yeah, there are very, very stark differences between boys and girls, and we need to have two different teachers, not just one teaching both, but we need yeah. a boys teacher and a girls teacher, and all of a sudden they've got a case to double their, their membership. It seems like they would take uh, have a better advantage by going the other way. Yeah, you might be right. I don't know. But also it, it, people fall into that, well, this is the way we've always done it. And and my and I have my grift taken care of. You know, my my situation is set up, and I don't want to mess that up. And I don't know. I I just know that you know. I guess I'm lucky that my children are in a school district that's a very red part of California. And I mean, they just. I mean, last year they brought back uh, wood shop. This year they have wood shop and metal shop. And next year they're bringing back auto shop. I mean, so they're and my my youngest son who was. I mean, I was lucky if he had D minuses in junior high. He's in high school now and he's a straight A student. Straight freaking A's. He's in wood shop. He's in metal shop. He's playing lacrosse. He's uh getting all that energy out. And but it but they're but they're giving him stuff to do that he likes and enjoys. And and I think that comes from uh being able to step out of the box and be different for as a school district. Because every other school district in California has been, you know, they got rid of all the metal shops and wood shops. Anything that was masculine, they got rid of. Yeah. See, I think really this boils down to a very, very simple construct. And that is we have to stop this societal effort to deny differences between the genders. If you do right. that, if we, if we can do that, the other pieces will fall into place. If, if, if a teacher is allowed to say, yeah, you know what, my, my boys learn a lot differently than my girls and I've got to handle them differently in the classroom. If they're allowed to say that, they'll do it. They'll, they'll act on it yeah. and they'll handle it. By the way, don't think for a minute that just because I didn't play not? that you got away with the, with the double whatnot earlier uh, in this conversation. A double whatnot. Yeah. 
Yes, I did. Oh my God. Uh, I would have chat lit off on that. Uh, you know what? I do want to make a, speaking of chat, uh, uh, Wes Conanon and Laura QAnon, uh, uh, gave us a ship and a couple cookies. So thank you so much for the support. Uh, we love you guys. Um, and Laura, you can miss as many as you want as long as you listen to them uh, on repeat. Yes. Or when it's uh, being replayed. Right. Uh, that's okay. That's acceptable. Uh, but uh, anyway, I just want to thank you guys for the support. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, um, and Victor, you know, you're, the other thing I'm just sorry, I just want to recognize uh, a bunch of people in our in both chats have actually, or all chats, I guess, have actually said this was a great discussion. And uh, uh, you're absolutely right, everyone who has said that this was a, a fantastic discussion. I think Britt and I were a little unsure, uh, you know, how, which way it would go. I, I, we didn't know uh, Dr. Green's politics. We didn't know. All we knew is she wrote a book about boys being different and needed to be handled differently in education. And we thought that in itself was a worthy topic but she's she was a, a real treat and a real delight to have on the show yeah and you know and for people that are listening that have kids that are kind of going through what they were talking about that this book helps you it arms you with knowledge and the verbiage to use that are that is like triggering words for the educators when you go to have your meetings about your students i mean i have a personal number one the way i came up and then when they figured out i couldn't read or write and i went over to chapman university they tried. They threw the kitchen sink at us. There was a hundred of us. They threw the kitchen sink. They put collared lenses on us. They made us type. They they would have us come in. To, they would have us come in at four a.m. and and then they would have us come in at nine p.m. And, and try you know different times of day. Whatever they did, everything. So I was used to doing different stuff. So when my child, my fourteen year old, was having issues in elementary school, not sitting still, fidgeting, driving the teacher nuts, they want they suggested taking him to the doctor to put him on Ritalin. To do the, the drug route, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" Yeah, whoa. I go. So I literally asked. This rush to medicating is is crazy. Yeah, and I got lucky that the special ed teacher in that in that in that elementary school who was new there was her first year. I made the simple suggestion of, "Why don't we just let him stand up at his desk like he wants to?" And the special ed teacher said, "We should try that." And it turned out throughout that year, there were four other, or three other, there was a total of four of them in that class that were all at the back of the room standing at their desk, all boys. And the teacher said it mellowed them out and they focused. So you got to think outside the box and you got you to gotta fight for it. Because had I not said anything in that meeting and kind of said, well, wait, 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 they would have run yeah. them down the, the Ritalin route. And my kid would have been doped up. Right. Can you do me a favor? Look at the camera and smile. What? Wait. Uh, why? So you can take a snapshot. <laughs> what? Yeah, what? Listen, uh, the, the, the 800 pound gorilla in the room here, we haven't mentioned it yet tonight, but we really, really need to is Brit's choice of a shirt. What the hell is that shirt you're wearing? <laughs> this is a flannel. This is a, this is my work jacket. Uh, it's a flannel. It's fleece. I am in my cave right now. Mm hmm. And it's cold. Now, it's not New York cold. It's California cold. It's probably 65 degrees in here. And I needed my jacket 65, on. It was 59 for me. And I have a flannel. And it's over here. Right here. And I took it off for the show. See, this is okay, my flannel yeah. shirt. And I bet yeah, I'm, but I'm in. I think it's 62 right now. Uh, I think we may because I, I have a little heater running down here now. Yeah, but um, you're in a cold weather state where you have thick blood. I'm in California where we have thin blood. I suppose we don't do well I, in the cold. Actually, I think 
I think it's in the low 60s, high 50s right now. Will you do me it's a favor? Just, it's just cold. I'm Will you freezing. do me a favor? Get yourself a red and a navy blue cardigan sweater to wear on cold days for us, please. Cardigan? What's a cardigan sweater? Hey, you don't know what a cardigan sweater? Mr. Rogers wore a cardigan sweater. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I would totally do that. <laughs> oh, I have this. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, an ugly Christmas sweater is good. Is a good option too. Oh, why won't I come in? Come on, come in yeah. and play here. What if I do this? Yeah, you can hold it on you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I got that. Um, <laughs> we don't need to go through your wardrobe. Oh my god. Well, I got some crazy. I got some crazy stuff. Do you ever watch the British Baking Show? No. Oh my god. There's a there's a guy on there. He's the host. He's the tall guy with the black hair. He has the most crazy sweaters that he wears. And I have a couple of them. I should start wearing them. Oh boy! I got his name though, but uh, yeah, British oh boy! Show. It's oh, actually boy. uh, I'm actually I get it. I'm kind of addicted to that show. I could watch that for hours on end. Oh boy! I can sleep with goats. Uh, I, I can do that too sometimes <laughs> if I'm drunk enough. Where's oh, oh, what's that's not working? Darn it! Uh oh, uh oh. Yeah, I don't have any of my buttons, so I can't fart back at you or give you the Jack Nicholson <laughs> finger. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, anyway. Uh, so tomorrow night we've got uh, the regular uh, four-person show. It's the Independence Gang. That'll be 10 p.m. Eastern, of course. Uh, do we know who's on tomorrow? Oh, you said Chase and who else did you say? Chase and somebody. Uh, it's, it's Chase and Kimberly. Oh, Kimberly. Okay. Cool. Tomorrow. I haven't seen yes. Kimberly. Yeah, we're starting uh, to get enough people. I mean, sometimes we'll find ourselves in a bind because everybody has something going on and we get we have to struggle to get fill it. However, we're starting we also are starting to find ourselves in a situation where we have so many people that are doing it now that we don't see people for a few weeks before they come back. And um Yeah, and and, and Kimberly was busy for the over Thanksgiving, so yeah. that's why, you know, so yeah, whatever. It's all good. And some people are just getting bigger, too big for us. So, yeah, and well, we we launched them. Really and, yeah, I wish they'd. All right, uh, Fitty. What do you mean? Microsoft <laughs> is doing ugly sweaters. What does that mean? Microsoft is doing ugly sweaters. I don't know what that means. I don't hmm. want to touch anything that Bill Gates has done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Morning um, shows with your coffee and roundtables would be fun, Victor. Victor wants us to do a morning ship morning shows with coffee and just I guess just chat about the news. Um how long have I been saying we should do that? I know, but the problem is you're three hours different than me. Exactly. And it, it creates a bit me. of a problem. Yeah. Well, you, and you're also on a much later sleep cycle than I. Yeah. Well, you go to bed. I mean, you're already asleep. People don't even realize that. You're currently sleeping right now. <laughs> Just, and you're just there's faking, some truth in that. Yeah, you're faking it. Now, the truth there is, is so, so we end the show. We generally end around 11 p.m. Eastern, about now, which is 11 p.m. my time. It's 8 p.m. Brit's time. And he is, we hang, we literally end the show, and he's like, I'm going to bed. And he's, he just takes off and goes to bed. Yep. And I'm up for another five hours at least. Uh, yeah. that's, that's a different thing. I mean, I did, I've done Beyond Reality for so long, and, you know, that we were doing that show till yeah. two in the morning. And so my whole schedule is weird. So uh, we have a whole bunch of people saying, um, I, I vote for morning shows I mean, or afternoons. I, I mean, yeah, I know. I get it. I get it. And, you know, we're hoping. Would you guys really listening? Would they, okay, in chat, since you brought this up, would you guys really listen to JV and I if we just rambled about random stupid shit? Kind of like we're doing now. Is this entertaining to you guys? Because I can do this all day long. This is a hell of a lot more fun to me 
than talking about depressing politics. I will totally wear all my ugly sweaters. But I also, I will totally- think, I also think that what they're talking about, and maybe I'm wrong, but what they're talking about is, uh, you know, incorporating some of the, some of this free oh, flow yeah. banter about politics. Uh, maybe yeah, yeah. Just no, totally. Not do it in such a formatted way. It's just, you know, the, the, the square... The, the the independence game, the square table show, as I call it, um, <laughs> I mean that is just depressing after depressing after depressing after depressing. It's right true. now, it's There's true. It's like, true. No good news. It's true. It drives me nuts. Yeah, and it's sad. And we're Americans, and we shouldn't be like this. We're a great country. We should be doing great things, going to Mars, and you know, curing cancer, and you know, fixing our, you know, having a great economy. I mean, we had that at one point, but yeah. Uh, I, I tell you that the votes are in, at least in YouTube, and, and we've got a lot of thumbs up for those ideas. Here's the thing. This is what Britt and I have been working toward for a long time. As Britt talks about often, he swings a hammer during the day. He's He's got a full slate of clients. He's busy. He's building catios and other things. Uh, <laughs> and that's what he does. And, um, you know, and that's his income. Um, I have a different situation here because I had a I had a business that I sold and I'm able to, I got a little more freedom. But we've been talking for a long time. If we can build this up to the point where we can actually uh, free Brit from having hey, to me. swing the hammer, <laughs> we could do this all day long. We could start at nine all in the morning day. and go until midnight. <laughs> you guys, you guys do not realize that I find I can talk all day long. I'm a Gemini. I could talk to anybody about anything. Anywhere. I don't have a problem. I love to talk to people about their jobs and what they do. And I'm talking, they do mundane secretarial type, you know, uh, executive assistant job. They're an engineer on a factory line. I can talk to anybody about anything, anywhere, and have fun with it. But I got to pay my bills and feed my kids. And, you know, so I also love to research and yeah. I love to dig into the, the, the nitty gritty. And it sucks. I mean, people don't, I, I don't think people realize. I mean, I guess we're going to break the fourth wall here and start just talking about shop, talking shop. But for JV and I to do the one-hour independent gang show, it's about three and a half to four hours of prep that goes into it before that. And then on the backside for the podcast and the other streams that we shoot it out to, uh, in the morning, JV has another hour and a half-ish of editing. So this is a lot of work to do what we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong. We love we doing love it. it. Yeah. But I would – I would, but if I didn't have to swing the hammer, I would have so much better content. I would research more. I would be able to tie stories together better that make more sense. Maybe not use as many whatnots as I use to fill times. Uh, I specifically use that in a I know. perfect point. I, I, that you, you, no, that, I, but I just hear it. I automatically boom whatnot. I mean, in fact, when I was okay, talking to my it. sister earlier today, as I said, and she used whatnot twice, and I screwed that whole story up because the phone was ringing at the time. Um, but she used whatnot twice in the conversation. I wanted to hit a button, and I had no button to hit because it's like Pavlov's dog here. I hear whatnot, and I want to reach for the button. Well, when when you make my bobblehead pencil voice thing, whatnot's got to be <laughs> one of the. One of the terms. Oh my! You know what? I bet you. I bet you. We can get custom made Brit bobbleheads that say whatnot. It's this this exact <laughs> this exact audio. Whatnot? Oh I'm going to look into that. Um, so uh, I had a point here to make about all of this. Uh, yeah. So I mean, as the Give show me. grows, as the show grows, and we get more support, we are looking for a point where we can actually do all of this stuff. But you're right, Brit. I mean, you spend several hours a day, every single day, 
working on this show, I spend five or six hours a day between prepping, uh, you know, doing the show live, uh, doing the stuff we have to do after the show, the live shows ended, and then editing in the morning to get it all to the other platforms that we put it on. I mean, that's it's a uh, it's it's consuming yeah. and it's it's a labor of love certainly, um, but uh, I don't think everybody. I think you know. I mean, we, maybe we look make it look so seamless. We just turn the cameras and the mics on, and we just start going. It looks like we don't have to prep, but it takes a lot of work. And um, well, you know the the reality is, I, I and I was talking with JV about this when I was driving to work one day. I mean, the prep part is a show in and of itself. Yeah, Scrolling this, and, and just going palm to what really this is actually a story. This actually happened. Yeah. So, so I, you know that. So the coffee in the morning thing. Uh, I mean, because that's when I do a lot of my prep. And it, for those that follow me on Twitter, if you notice, whatever I share ends up on the show. It's because I'm researching as I'm working and I'm in between swinging the hammer or whatever, or I'm going poop. Um, and I you see something on Twitter didn't. that I want to talk about. You didn't just I retweet say that. it. You didn't just So that I can then find it easier, easier when I get home. And sometimes I get home like an hour before showtime. And those are the days you could tell I'm really discombobulated and I probably use far more whatnots than normal. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Because I'm frantically <laughs> trying to uh, string together content, but yeah, the the day job kind of gets in the way. But uh, Annie, yeah, Annie, Annie Annie Smith in our YouTube chat is asking if you can see her post. I'm I'm assuming she means yeah. that actual comment. I'm not sure if there's another post she's talking about. Uh, that would be my mother. Oh, that's right. I knew that. I knew that. Hi, mom. <laughs> she's wanting to see if I see that she's in there. What not? <laughs> yes mom we see yes mother we see your post <laughs> Britt did you change your underwear today do you have clean underwear on in oh. case you get in an accident yeah because <laughs> if I get an accident I'm going to do it so what's the point <laughs> but anyway oh boy yeah I would love to do more and I would love to do coffee in the morning and and, uh, I would love to do uh, coffee in the yeah. morning. That's that's like having a cup of coffee and going through some news and chatting about it. That would be gold. Um, yeah, we just have to. We Problem just have to get to that place. You get up too late. Well, you know, again, this all comes down to you know adjusting priorities and making things work when we yeah. can do it. You, I mean, the way it works right now, where you have to leave for work, doesn't allow this to work for me because. When you have to get, I mean, it has to be a little later than that for it to work for me. So um, yeah. when we get to the point where you don't have to leave for work like that, then we're going to be able to do this stuff. So we just have to keep working and making, making this show grow, making more people join us. We are not a year old yet. I mean, we are nine, what, 10 months old with this program. No, that, are we yeah. 10? Are we 10? Let's see. Three? No, we're not. I think 10. we're just shy of that. Yeah. We're, we're eight. We're, we're eight months into this. Eight months. Yeah, eight months. It feels like a lifetime with you. Yeah, God. I, I, Did we get married I, I at dread, some point? I dread looking at you every night at now at this point. It's, I mean, can, can, can the honeymoon is over. Can you imagine when we live close, <laughs> close enough that we're in the same room looking at each other? I know. We're going to have to have a referee. That are a big fucking petition between us. Uh, your mom is asking if you saw the post that she posted about Laura, Sles I think Schlesinger is uh, Dr. Laura. Uh so I don't know what we're talking about. Saturday mornings, Victor. Don't we don't get them any day? <laughs> maybe we could do a Saturday morning, Victor. I mean, maybe we could do that. I don't know if we could do it regularly. Uh, one of the things that I do too, as as most people know, is I play in in bands, and um, we haven't played. I haven't played a lot because of COVID, and most of the places that 
have live music have kind of been very, very slow to return to live music in this area. But eventually I will be playing in bands again. That means my Friday nights and Saturday nights sometimes will be taken up by that. And when that happens, it's a little more difficult for me to get up super early. And by super early, I mean before noon. Yeah. That, well, <clears throat> well, you know, I, and I would love to be on that sleep cycle. And if that might might be what happens. And Mother, no, I did not see your post about Dr. S- Dr. Laura. Um, <laughs> resend it to me. Um, I love how my mom – so my mom, I sometimes I don't answer the phone because I'm working. So now this is the way she's going to communicate. <laughs> she comes chat. into the chat of the show to talk so to if, you about if, stuff. Yeah. So if I don't respond, everybody thinks I'm an asshole. <laughs> You're not talking to your mom. <laughs> Man. I love you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my god. Um Yeah, there you go. Um yeah, I I I yeah, more content. Just need more time, which I, you know, I'm the one that's the kill joy on that. Sorry, guys. Yeah, so Scott um, uh, Scott Allen in our YouTube ta- chat just asked me if I've seen the new Beatles documentary on Disney. It's uh it's called Get Back and yes, I watched all three episodes. It's amazing. If you're a Beatles fan, it's amazing. If you're not a Beatles fan, I can see where it might get uh, a little bit tiresome. Um because it, it is in the weeds, but it's real detailed footage, and it's it's restored beautifully, by the way. It's amazing-looking footage of uh, their Let It Be sessions and the conflicts in the band as they were going through that and the, and the original plan to do a TV special that morphed into a bunch of other things before it finally became a rooftop concert on the roof of Apple Studios in London. Uh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable if you're a Beatles fan, and I'm surprised Scooter isn't in our chat room. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of Scooter recently because he's a huge Beatles fan as well because we'd be talking about it. It's great. It's really think, it's fantastic. I think Scooter's upset with you because you're not doing a lot of live BRR. I'm sure that's the case, and I apologize to everybody who misses that. I miss it too, but as I just got done explaining, uh, I'm putting five hours a day or so, maybe six hours a day into this program, and while someone will say, well, why don't you just not do this and do the BRR, I need to do this for me. I need to do this political thing for me because I feel that strongly about what's going on and the fact that we need to talk about it. So, you know, and I did, I've done BRR for five years and, um, and while I wish I could do both effectively, I just can't do them both all the time. I've got sporadic BRR scheduled coming up and I'm going to continue to do those obviously. And there will be a time where we might have a, a different schedule on it and I can do it more often or something or whatever. But, um, just right now it's a little difficult. So I hope, I hope folks can understand that and just bear with me on it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think people realize that, uh, what you guys watch on the show, JV and I used to do off show yeah. while playing COD, <laughs> and you, we would just rant. What do we? Oh, the, the political Warzone. stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the political yeah. stuff. The yeah, blue. yeah. No, we did we this for. Like, I, most people have heard the story. You and I have been talking about doing a show for uh, eighteen months before we actually did it, and we because because we would just whenever we did anything, we'd end up ranting. Like we did uh, booze, brews, and bros, which I think is hilarious that we call it BBB, and now Joe Biden's. Key legislation is being referred to as BBB. <laughs> it's about as serious as our BBB. But anyway, you know, we would yeah. do that show, and then when the show was over, you and I would stay connected and talk politics for two hours. I mean, we, yeah, we did that every time. Yeah. While we, Jesus, and then we would yeah, go and play then, Call but of the Duty. The only reason we didn't do this show at that time is we, you know, the whole cancel culture thing, and did we want to go out on that limb and put our families at risk? Right. And, 
Right. You know, because because there's there's whack jobs out there that do crazy shit. Now, right now, we're way off the radar, but our goal is to get big enough, but we might end up on a radar. And for those of you, you who, know, now, who missed the first version of this show, which there is only one episode in existence, this is what it looked like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> because we were nervous about cancel culture. And you know what? At this point, I don't give a shit. Nobody can hurt, nobody can yeah, hurt I'm, me. I'm beyond nobody can hurt me. Um, but I was, you know, with the other show I was doing with Beyond Reality, I was afraid to offend people. And I have. Honestly, I've gotten emails from Beyond Reality listeners who say, sorry, can't listen to your show anymore because of your politics. And I'm like, if you're going to trans... You know, if you're going to take my politics that I do on a political show and and apply that to the uh, to the uh, paranormal show where I don't talk about politics, that's your problem, not mine. It's all on you, and I don't really care at that point. So whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah that pretty- that was the first version of the show. We did it in masks. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, that was insane. Mm-hmm. Oh God. So funny. We were trying to figure out how to do that. Do we do it silhouette? Do we do it, you know, do we do cartoon faces? Do we? Oh, my God. It's hilarious. All right. Well, I guess we now know that there's a desire for rambling coffee talk. Yeah. Um, What if we, okay, okay. What about this, JV? I guess we might as well have this chat since uh, with the people in chat because they're the ones that brought it up. What, what if, what if we just did it, uh, you know, when I got home from work before the show, just go live while we're kind of setting shit up. How do we prep? How do together? we prep uh, and do that all? I mean, the prep thing. Oh, um, no. The, the prep is what the is what we're showing. Yeah, but see, the, I mean, uh, honestly, okay. Well, I mean, uh, we'd have to experiment with a little bit. But, I, I mean, I honestly, yeah. I go through the articles. I, I print them out. I read them. I take a highlighter to them. I'm just not sure how entertaining I can be when I do that. Um no, it's not about you being different. It's just doing it. And if it, what we don't do, which would be different, is we normally don't connect when we're prepping. But maybe we connect when we're prepping. So then that way it's like, hey, I got this article right here, blah, 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 blah. You know, uh, you know. the whole thing I learned being on Ghost Hunters, which was so not natural, was whatever you're doing, you have to talk it out loud right. so that the audience. Right, right. Which, you know, and that's right. just the difference. Yeah, you just got to narrate yourself. So, uh, just a couple things, by the way. Yeah. Uh, did you alter your voices, Scott? Alan is asking. Yes, we did. In fact, if you want, yes. I can even play. I got a little clip here of this. Let me let me uh, pull it in, and I can uh, oh, and I can boy. share it. Uh, here, here it is. All right, so we've got a lot to get to tonight yes got a lot to talk about as as things get oh um, my god crazier around the country (laughs) things are getting crazier around the country and uh you know people are handling this very very differently of course we're all talking about things like quarantining and social distancing and we're finding out that uh it's not so so easy all right so that episode was from (laughs) april of 2020 april 21st 2020 we tried that out. We didn't start the Independence Gang until March of 2021. Just so there's some reference here. Uh, we changed our voices. We wore the masks. And I think, you know, we didn't really have a direction. Basically, that episode, if you watch the whole thing, which Scott says, is there a way to, that we can see it? Maybe we'll put it up 
on something. Maybe we'll put it on YouTube or somewhere <laughs> where people can see it just to get a laugh. Not YouTube. Fuck YouTube. Yeah, I know. I know. We'll find a place to put it. But um, it, what was I going to say about it, though? Uh, oh, we, we didn't have we didn't have we had some charts and stuff. I think we showed we did pull some things down yeah. that we shared, but it was really just you and I chatting. But we didn't you know, it was our first one. So we were kind of not sure where to go with it. Uh, we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. I mean, we knew what we were doing, but we didn't know the direction it was going to go in. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. It's an, uh, Laura, Laura QAnon calls us an, it's anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> to oh shut down God. an entire country due to any kind of shut pathogen, down. any type of meaning and Now, I want to go back. I'm just rewinding this because we're finding Brit out that it's uh, funny because Brit has the glasses on here on the country. And, uh, you know, people are handling this And then the glasses disappear. Because I edited it, but like he takes them off. Because they got foggy. <laughs> now they're gone. Out that, and I uh, could, it's not I so see. easy. Oh, yeah, oh, so we have a chart up. there. I know where I am. So but he interviewed at one of these uh, impeachment. Right? It's oh. all about clicks Listen on the computer. You. All about clicks on the computer. Click, 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 click. That's ching, 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 ching to all the major news media. I wonder if you say what now. Media outlets, ABC, NBC, CBS, <laughs> LA Times, Washington Post. Because that, that would be a, a giveaway if you if you say what not. Yeah, that's true. That is absolutely true. Oh, my God. That was crazy times back then. Wow. I think we even did that show drunk. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't. We did. We've done other shows drunk. Not that one. <laughs> Yeah, I can't drink like I used to drink anymore. Yeah, Jesus. No, tell me about it. Boy, some of those those uh, booze, brews, and bros we did, we were doing shots and beers and drinks, and and oh. people were buying shots, you know, using the points to buy shots. And oh man, I can I don't know I can do that anymore. No, I can't. I'm too old for that shit. Yeah, but I can sure rant about politics. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I I think we've. Uh, I think we've squeezed every bit out of the toothpaste out of this world. <laughs> I think we have, uh, but I love the I love the I love the enthusiasm for us to do some more of these yes. things. And believe me, we might not do it in the next two weeks or before Christmas or before the New Year or okay. whatever. But we are working on trying to get some of these other things going. And I like the suggestion. Yeah. Maybe we can do a Saturday morning coffee thing at some point. I don't know that we can do it every weekend, but uh, we have been running the. Uh, the weekend review on Saturdays, but we could lead it off with a little coffee thing some Saturday and go from there. But we'll see. We'll try. We really do want to be able to do these things, and we're really excited that uh, there's some enthusiasm for it. Yeah, and uh, also we're kind of, uh, well, we're looking at other platforms. We're, we're, we're trying to find the right home to land on, but this whole YouTube chaos that's going on. And then, <clears throat> which was we talked a little bit about last night, the, the Twitter verse. Uh, the censorship is going to ramp up, especially the closer we get to the election, whether it's Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. Um, uh, what's the other one that we're on that's uh, kind of goofy? Well, DLive uh, is, is more of a name. free speech platform. DLive. Yeah, DLive's fine. Um, but uh, we're trying to figure out where's the best place to land and then, and then just have one, one home. Uh, that's kind of some of the stuff we're working on. I guess since we're talking shop. So we are, we are looking at trying to focus and grow this show. Um, I'm trying to convince JV to buy more radio stations again so that we can, you know. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'll tell you what. In another year, they're just getting cheaper. Uh, that business has been decimated. They're just getting cheaper. Oh, do, you, do, you, do you think that it might cycle back to where the radio stations come back? What, as It's not the radio it, stations. Okay. It's the retailers. 
That's what's got to come back, and I don't see that coming back because the retailers are the revenue source for the radio stations. Radio stations still have listeners. Radio stations still have a function in society, but their business model has crumbled because the retailers, local retailers, have have disappeared. And that's the local shop. So, so there is no reason for um, uh, the guy that makes this mic to advertise it. That's right. They won't do local um, radio local. advertising. They'll do, they'll do network advertising, and in, in many cases, they're doing uh, online advertising. Whether it's uh, you know social media, Google paid Google searches, whatever it happens to be, they'll spend their money online more often now. Uh, so their the business model ha- until radio can come up with a new business model, it's going to flounder. But what happens if we keep going down this road that we're going down and the Democrats successfully steal the next couple of elections because, you know, the Omnicore variant? Uh, I noticed that Did everybody's you just calling say it Omnicore, Omnicore now. Omnicore? <laughs> yeah. Um, I've noticed everybody's saying it. It's They're not using the Greek term. I mean, even uh, uh, who the fuck called it that? It shocked me. It was, it was a regular. One of the podcasts I listened to. Okay. Well, everyone that. who is saying that is. is mispronouncing the word it's omicron some people say it's omicron it can be pronounced either way but it's a greek letter it's a greek letter all of the variants have been named after greek letters that's the naming convention just like they have a list of names they go through for hurricanes here's the list of names they're going through for coronavirus variants is uh greek the greek letters and uh, Omicron or Omicron is the current one, not Omnicron, as Biden said four times in yesterday's speech and a reporter repeated. In fact, on the five today, they pointed it out how ridiculous it was that the president doesn't even know the name of yeah, the variant. No, it totally is. And let me just point out, on the surface, it's funny. People say, oh, he can't even pronounce it. But it's so much more serious than that. The fact that the president yeah. can't doesn't know the name of the variant means that he hasn't had any meetings about it. Means that he hasn't sat in a war room with advisors, medical advisors, coronavirus task force, whoever it is, and had discussions about this to do to figure out what to do about it. It means he's not involved at all. Because if he was in those meetings, he wouldn't be mispronouncing it. He wouldn't be using a word that doesn't exist. Omnicron. He would be saying Omicron or Omicron. He would be saying it properly if he was in those meetings. He's clearly not in those meetings. He's clearly not connected to any of this, which, you know, you can you can decide whether that's good or bad, I suppose. Well, you're saying it wrong too. I'm not saying it wrong. It's China Oh, yes, well, you're right. yeah, you're right. yeah, you're right. That's absolutely true. That's really what it should be called. It's it's the China variant. Anyway, but China, my point wasn't because, about because they're from China. China. My my point I that, where it. I was I going with I that was not it. about Omicron. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my my question to you was, if they get their way, and we slide into this dystopia, I mean, there's going to be no one to keep the fiber optics going. There's going to be no one to keep. To successfully keep the internet up, and we might not even have electricity twenty four seven. If we go down this rabbit hole that they're taking us down, this great reset. At that point, does radio stations become more viable because people have to sell stuff? I don't know, maybe, but Jesus, I don't want to own a business under those circumstances. That'd be the last thing I want to do. Oh, I want to have diamonds and gold, and I want to and and have a compound somewhere, and have uh, you know your supply of uh, ration meals, whatever the hell it is, and a fresh water source, and, <laughs> our, and our own farm animals uh, to keep us warm at night. That's all I'm looking for. 
Did you really just say that? I was kidding. I I am clipping that out. I am clipping that (laughs) out. Shit, I didn't think about that when I said it. Damn it. Um, Uh, Well, you know, I did. I I have been looking at land in Montana, and they have gold mines on land, big land that's for sale. And the gold mines, the only reason they shut down is because of World War II. And then, obviously, the Industrial Revolution happened when they came back. The people didn't go back to uh, gold mining because they all had other kind of jobs and whatnot. So uh, lots of gold up there, and, and at two thousand dollars plus an ounce, it's worth it. Yeah, I saw so your time. Maybe, maybe I saw your uh, what you did spending your time in a gold mine for two years. I'm not so sure that's my lifestyle, but yikes. Mm. Well, but you could just manage it. You don't have to go in the hole. I'll go in the hole. Mm-hmm. I like that kind of stuff. Break, breaking says I love radio. Awesome. I love radio too, Bray. And that's you know when I owned stations, I got up to owning uh, 21 stations and. Um, I, the reason I ended up selling them, I, I sold them because it would have been crazy for me not to, given the given the offers I was getting. But in addition to that, when I owned that many radio stations, I was no longer personally in the radio business. I was then in HR, legal compliance, FCC compliance, uh, tax, you know, law. I had it was running a major business, and the thing I loved about radio was actually running a radio station, and I just couldn't do that because it was so complex at that point. So. Um, why couldn't you just have one radio station in the right market? Well, you you can run you it. can, but that's a tough that's a tough again as I've said tough business to operate. Even twenty years ago, when I first started owning radio stations, the way to really make money was to build a build a group of stations, a network that you could uh, you know have economies of scale on and package it and sell it to a big company like Clear Channel. Um, that's the way you make I think real you money. You missed what I'm saying. The fact that you love it, yeah. Maybe and what maybe you buy it. It's not about making a lot of money. At least make break even, so it's not money. Out but it's of your hard. To, it's hard to do. But you. It's hard to do. But you love it. It's hard to do. And and, and honestly, I'm in a I'm in a situation now in my life where I don't ever want to be an employer again. I don't want those headaches. Ain't that the truth anymore? Employees suck, yep. including me. Well, I mean, that was the worst. Yeah, not all do, but every employer gets one. <laughs> That's that is yeah. bad. There's always the one. What, did, didn't you have one of the DJs that got arrested for beating his wife or something like that? You had to deal with that headache. Was that, was I, that one of yours? I, I there there are several stories that sort of kind of come close to that. I never had that specific instance, but I've had. I mean, I think you might be confusing a couple of the stories that I've told you over the years. Uh, but I've had I've had like that. I had one guy. Well, it doesn't matter. I, I don't want to get into these personal stories, but I did have uh, a really. I did have a couple that worked for me. Actually, the 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 husband, the guy, not the husband. They weren't married. The guy was my morning disc jockey on one of my radio stations. On one of the stations. And then uh, his girlfriend, who they'd lived together for like 12 years, uh, used to work at the station as a salesperson. I needed a salesperson. She wanted a job. I hired her in uh, with all the assurances that it wouldn't ever be a problem between the two of them. They've been together for 12 years. A year in, they have a nasty breakup in which there was some violence, which I think is what you're referring to. And uh, so she comes in and says, I can't work here if he works here. And I said, well, I'm not firing anybody for your personal breakup between the two of you. You guys are adults. You know, act like it and be civil to each other while you're here. And if anybody transgresses that, that person will have to go. And if it becomes a problem, then I will have to fire somebody. But so they had this battle over Facebook, basically, at each other. They're, you know, they kind of kept away from each other in the office, which was good. 
Um, but they have their so she kept coming in. I can't work if he's here. I'm like, Chris doesn't was her name. I said, I'm not going to fire him because you two ever are having a nasty breakup. I need him in the morning show. And went on, went on, went on. Finally, she said, uh, "Oh, I can't work here. Work here." And she and she quit. And I'm like, okay. And then she sued me for sexual harassment, saying that I condoned this behavior in the office. None of that was true. I had 12 employees that that went to court and said it wasn't true. But the way the system works, that cost you? that's the thing. The way the system works, it cost me about eight grand, and it would have cost me another 20 while she was provided with a New York State labor attorney to handle her side of it. She didn't pay a dime. So it works out. So I ended up having to give her $5,000 so that I could save twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 in legal fees. And it, I mean, I'm not the type of guy that gives in like that, but I, I couldn't see paying 30, 40. My attorney said it could be 50 grand by the time you're done. You're absolutely 100% in the right here. You did nothing wrong, but they, this, they, she has the power of the state labor department behind her, and you're going to have to fight it. So give her five grand and call it a day. So I that's what I ended up doing. I'm like, and that was that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. I said, I'm never going to be an employer again. This is bullshit. So Great that is, story. Yeah, it, and it also is a commentary is. about politics. You've got a state government yeah. in a liberal state like New York that will do that. And to give you how, an example of how bad it was, one of the steps in the process was a it was kind of a mediation hearing where and it's required. This is a, a a hearing with a it's not a judge but it's kind of a judge and both sides tell their story bring witnesses and the judge determines whether or not there's ample evidence to move it forward. I had I was there I had like six of my employees there all managers who were talking about you know who who testified to the fact this was all garbage that I did everything right. I told her that if she ever felt uncomfortable she had the, my permission to leave. Whatever I had, my general manager was on top of it. He made sure that two of them were never in the same room. Everything was right. And we have this hearing. She didn't show up. She never had to present her case. Yet the judge still ruled in her favor. How does that work? That is a corrupt political system that is taking a sledgehammer to the heads of small business people. And that's what it was. So, anyway, <laughs> we didn't really need to go into that, but there you go. I like those kind of stories. See, this is what I mean. I could talk to anybody about anything and be entertained by it. But that was a great story. And the whole point of me wanting you to tell that story is that even though you're innocent, it still costs you a lot of money. Yeah. Well, that's, we, we talk about that a lot with all these things, you know, with the IRS agents and all this stuff. You know, the idiot liberals and, on Twitter will say, oh, well, what do you have to worry about if you're innocent? Well, what you have to worry about is the $5,000, $10,000 legal fee to prove you're innocent. That's not and right. And if you don't have that kind of money. Right. And if you don't have that kind of money, it's a summary judgment from the government, and then they want their 20 pounds of flesh. Yep. Yep. I didn't fall for anything tallest symbol horrible. freedom. I don't know what you mean. I fell for it. I mean, I I was running a business, as, as you know, and I didn't fall for anything. I I fell in it maybe because the system is rigged, but uh, I didn't fall for anything. Yeah. So yeah, all right, man. well, I'm, I'm you know that 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 uh, I just burned off all the adrenaline I had. So um, with with, <laughs> with telling that story. 
So we can uh, all right. We can call it a night now. I'm I going suppose. to bed. Yeah, you always go to bed. I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. tired. <laughs> you always go to bed. My, I don't know if you noticed, but my daughter worked my ass off this holiday weekend building her a massive shelving system. I did. You did. You sent me a picture get, of that. That that was nice. Yeah, I didn't get any breaks. Manual yeah. labor. She's a taskmaster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She literally. Daughters she are. literally has her drawing and. And any field workers that work off of blueprints with engineers will get this. She has her drawing, and I'm looking at him. Well, we need to find to change this. We might need to change that. She literally looks at me and goes, "Dad, can we at least try and, Dad, can we at least try and build it like the drawing shows?" <laughs> I can't tell you how many fucking engineers I've had say that to me in the asphalt world when we're trying to build what they drew. It's like uh, we can't do that because this pipe goes through here. That's not in your. Can you just try and build it the way I drew it? Damn engineers. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, tomorrow night, 10 p.m. Eastern, the Independence Game. We've got, of course, a couple of great guest panelists with us. We'll have a lot of fun. We'll talk about the stories of the day. You had to pay into that system. I did, too. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But it's not a question of being duped I mean, or falling for it. It's, it's the way the system is designed, at least in New York State and probably others. So... Uh, you don't have a choice. If you want to be in business, you're going to be at the risk of having to deal with that system. That's why I won't do it anymore. I'm, I don't need to. I will never have to employ anybody. Yeah, again. you don't need. You're lucky. Yeah, you lived your life right. Yeah. Don't live your life like I did. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be working till the day you die. <laughs> well, hopefully, I had fun, but Jesus. Yeah. Well, hopefully, this program will uh, will make work a little bit different for you down the road. Anyway, thanks to everybody for being here. You guys have been so. great tonight. Thank you to Dr. Vermil Green for joining us. What a great conversation. If you joined us late, go back and listen to it when we get it edited and put back up. Or I guess I guess it'll be here because she was terrific about education, particularly about educating young young men or boys. It was a great discussion. So we'll see you all tomorrow night.